Welcome to The Wind Down, an afternoon podcast where two techie blokes sit down over a bowl of wine and chat about what's happening in the world of tech. Enjoy while Scott and Nick open up about their week in technology. Well, hello once again and welcome to The Wind Down. I'm here with... Scott. Hello, Scott. How are you? Hello, Nick. How are you? <laughs> I'm very well indeed. I'm very well indeed. Well, let's start as we normally do. Where are we? What are we drinking? We are in the DY Hotel today because we know on this particular day it's actually fairly quiet here. We can get a good uh, uh, a good session going. But we also know that in our wonderful investment of technology, as one should do in any business, uh, we've actually got really good microphones that tend to make the background noise disappear. They make it go away. It's absolutely brilliant. And not only that, as what Scott's not telling you, is it's $15 lunch as well, and that's probably really why we're here. Yes, which, well, which we actually found out when we got here. But anyway... It wasn't <laughs> great advertising, but we are here and we've done It was done a great that. result. <laughs> so let's talk about the wine today. Here it is. It's red, it's liquid, Ooh. and it's it's kind of yummy. Yes, hey, look, something a bit, uh, a bit, a bit different and a bit special again. Um, I generally... I'm generally one to avoid bottles with fancy labels and various things because, it, look, if the, if the best-selling thing about the bottle is the colour of the picture on the label, you're probably not in for a great wine. Um, and some of the bottles are better ones that sort of describe the wine, where it's from, how it was produced and the family generations and so forth. But every now and then you, can, you come across the odd sort of thing. And this was a, a bit of a gamble because I wasn't familiar with this. It's a, it's a bottle called uh, from, from Brave Souls. Brave Souls, <laughs> is that us? <laughs> and, uh, I thought, well, look, how, how bad could it be? Um, but it's a, um, it's a 2018 uh, GSM. So it's a, a Grenache uh, Shiraz. And I always mispronounce this, but uh, more Vedre. Uh, I'll let you keep going with that. I, yes. can't, I can't see it from him too blind. Uh, that's all right. I, I can mispronounce it in many ways. Uh, <laughs> but it, but it, is, it is Barossa. It's a 2018 wine. And look, at that's very drinkable. Cool. Excellent. So that's the wine. That's where we are. Let's talk about the technology subject. What are we talking today? Ah, so look, with, with, with where we are, um, I thought we'd actually cover a little bit on Wi-Fi. Not just today, but for the next few podcasts as well. A bit of an update on Wi-Fi, where it is, what's the current state of Wi-Fi, what are the technologies you should be deploying. Because you know what? Wi-Fi is getting pretty important. It is, and it's a great Australian invention as well, which is oh, what yes, makes it really cool. Invented by the CSIRO. In yes. fact, they did an exhibition and I saw the original testing kit where they actually made Wi-Fi work, which is always also quite impressive. But it, it doesn't really resemble that anymore. It's way different to how it was. You, so. you don't need to carry it around in a box. And <laughs> <laughs> with an oscilloscope. No, no, you don't. So... We're going to do some physics, I think, to start with, aren't we? Okay, look, foundation, and we'll, we'll keep this very simple, but it's, it's good to have the background just to understand how does this all come together. Sure. Okay, so <laughs> okay. he's just going to throw it straight over to me, so I have to come back with it. So we're going to talk about Wi-Fi, we're going to start with physics, and we're going to start with something called frequency. Yes. And frequency is the number of times something happens in a defined time period, normally a second, right? Yes. And we've got a measurement for that, as we've got a measurement for everything in physics. We, and the, the measurement we use is Hertz. Exactly. So if that sounds sore, why is it called Hertz? Okay. So look, what, well, let's probably say, what, what, what is a Hertz? Mm-hmm. Uh, a Hertz is the number of times that a wave can cycle in a second. So when we talk about one Hertz, it means that in, in a second, uh, uh, a transmission can change once per second. But we don't have a lot of things measured in hertz today. What we have measured in 
megahertz, gigahertz, and so forth. But I, I would say sound goes from 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz. That so is correct. You're listening to waveforms at the moment, but as we get higher and higher frequencies, that's how we can start transmitting data through the air using electromagnetic radiation, which is how we do radio mm. and how Wi-Fi works. And yeah. Wi-Fi we tend to measure in gigahertz, right? That's it, it, kind of where it lives. Currently, yes, in, so, in gigahertz. So a giga is a thousand mega and a mega is a thousand watts. Right, so yes. uh, it's mega a is a million. million. Otherwise, it's kilo. Milo, sorry, kilo, 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 mega, giga. Right, so if I've got one hertz, which is one cycle per second, then a kilohertz, which sounds like that horrible tone you sometimes hear in audio, yes, and, uh, and, and that's that's one kilohertz, and then you've yes. got um, a megahertz, which is now bursting into radio, and a gigahertz, which is really radio. But as you get higher in frequency. You, get, you can transmit more data across it, but you get more line of sight, don't you? you? Things get in the way. You get issues. So slower radio waves will travel for thousands of miles and bounce off the atmosphere. Yes. The higher the frequency you get, the more a window will block it or a wall will block it. And this is also why the initial, um, some of the networks that do IoT, when you've actually got uh, IoT devices with very low frequency devices in them saying we can travel up to 30 or 40 kilometers not a problem and send a little bit of data yeah but not very much right no but if you think you've got a, a, a temperature sensor out on a farm somewhere it just needs to say look it's 10 degrees or it's 12 degrees yeah you don't care really do no. you you don't um, interestingly though yeah so what wi-fi we tend to measure either in something like 2.4 gigahertz which is the, the fairly common sort of range uh or five gigahertz yep now to uh as part of that 2.4 gigahertz, there is a state transition of 2.4 billion times a second. And 5 gigahertz is a state transition of 5 billion times a second. And that's how we can actually send data, knowing right. that every one of those little bits can gradually add up to a bit of data. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Something else. Where did hertz come from? How did we name hertz? Uh, it's got to be from a guy, right? There, there was a guy, there was, and this is, this is an interesting story in itself, and I've, I've actually come to some thoughts about this, but I haven't been able to verify them. So there was a guy called Heinrich Hertz. He was a German uh, physicist, mm -hmm. uh, and he, he died in the late 1890s thereabouts, but he was the one that actually worked out that this electromagnetic um, signaling and radiation, you know, we can actually measure it, we can do things with it, we can create transmitters and that sort of thing. So that was interesting. Um, Excellent. The, the other interesting bit about this... He died when he was 36. Oh, my goodness. That's not very old. Well, so now you think about, here's the guy that discovered electromagnetic radiation and is going and testing and doing it. He died when he was 36. His wife had no more children after that, and his two daughters never produced children. So that was it. The whole Hertz it, name it, it was It ended. Gone. Wow. But I'm wondering now, like, what, how did he, exactly did he, what did he do to discover electromagnetic radiation that made him either die early or oh, made his point. children unable to... Oh, dear. Uh, I, I don't know if there's a connection. It's just the first thought that came into my <laughs> mind that said, it's like the um, the, uh, neutral, um, the the bomb yes. guy. Yes, the, yes. Who, who managed to radiate himself. Well, well Madame Curie, who managed oh, yes. to radiate herself. Yes. So anyway. Anyway. Moving yes, right in along. Interesting. So... When we talk about ranges of frequencies, we call them spectrums. We do. Right? And Wi-Fi has a couple of spectrums. And you yes. mentioned 2.4 gigahertz, but there's another one, isn't there? It's the ZX81. <laughs> 
<laughs> I programmed one of those, but I don't think we need to go there. No, no. Okay. ZX81 wasn't a Spectrum, by the way. And the reason the Spectrum was called the Spectrum was the ZX81 was black and white, and the ah. Spectrum was in color. Oh, there we go. But I, I stand corrected but on the ancient technology. We don't need to go into ancient technology here. <laughs> okay. Spectrums, let's have a look. So there, there are two general spectrums used for Wi-Fi. Uh, one, we have the 2.4 gigahertz, mm-hmm. and we have the 5 sort of range. Now, the, the 2.4 are very commonly used, and not just by Wi-Fi, but all sorts of things. Microwaves out of a microwave oven are at 2.4 gigahertz. Mm-hmm. Bluetooth fits into that spectrum. Um, there's a whole variety of things so, that fit so in So is that one when, the, um, yeah, I'm playing Tetris on the toilet, and the kids turn on the microwave, which is in the room next to me. I, I can't do any online stuff. It, that's exactly why your game fails. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm sure that's exactly what it is. It wouldn't have anything to do with the, the, the fact that a, a, a bathroom would have harder tiled walls and metal pipes or... Yeah, all right, all right. Okay. So, so our two spectrums, 2.4 gigahertz goes further, yes. but isn't as fast. That's Five correct. gigahertz doesn't go as far yes. and will be blocked by more things, yes. but it's because it's a high frequency, we can put more data through. That's right. And look, that's common with all... The wireless technologies, the, the higher the frequency, the faster you know, of, of the data, the faster speed of the data you can get in there, or the, I should say the, the more data you can get in there, but yes, the, the lower the distance. So as you get faster and faster and faster, you eventually get to light. Yes. Right? So light can tra- carry even more data, even faster, and that's why optical fibre is going to be way better than Wi-Fi because we can carry more through it, right? That's right. And and this is the same technology in, for example, a car radio. Yep. This is why you can have a a car, you're picking up stations 50 kilometres away because it's very low frequency. It goes a long way. It's only got to hold a little bit of data because we know that voice doesn't actually consume a lot of data. And why we need so many towers for 5G. But anyway, moving past that. Moving right along. Right. So... um, Let's talk about, and there's signals everywhere. I, and you go somewhere, there's a million Wi-Fi hotspots, there's people on the phone, there's radio stations, there's all sorts of things. How can I be signal free? How can I be somewhere with no signals at all? Ooh, so you want like this little immersion tank over. Okay. Yeah. So um, interestingly enough, there's a thing called a Faraday cage. Uh, and while it, it sounds sort of rather complex, it's, it's really not. Uh, if I get a room and just put a, a wire mesh around it, now, it could be um, like steel mesh, it could be chicken wire or something like that. Um, that will actually block out radio signals. When you ground it. Sorry, very true. When you <laughs> ground it. That's yeah. right. I stand corrected. Yeah, and depending on the size of the holes in the mesh yes. is the frequencies which are allowed in. So the smaller the holes. So that's why the front door of your microwave, which is actually a Faraday cage, yes. has holes in it so you can see what's going on. And that won't let the... Microwaves, microwaves out. In fact, out. you can make the holes quite a lot bigger. Don't do this, by <laughs> the way. Don't, actually, <laughs> don't try this. Don't time. ever play with a microwave at all. They've got horrible things in them. They're really dangerous. Yeah, don't go taking one apart after this. But you can make the holes bigger safely to a degree if you know what you're doing. Yes. And interestingly, again, some clients, when we found why have they got Wi-Fi problems, they've actually mistakenly made the, a Faraday cage in where they've put the access point. Oh, we've stuck it in here in between this router and this switch in this metal cage with this metal door uh, in this room that where the safe is and we actually secured it and put bolts and metal things around it and I'm surprised and we you didn't get anything out of it. Drilled it to the floor yeah, and right. got nothing out of it. <laughs> yeah, I've seen enough Wi-Fi access points in yes. metal cabinets. So that, by the way, that's also why access points generally have a plastic top. Oh, okay. 
Because the thing, if you've got a metal top and you're trying to pick up signal, the metal's going to block metal's, metal's the not signal. Metal's going to work. Yes. So, okay, so when I'm looking at Wi-Fi, I've heard not just the 2.4 and 5G, but I've heard things like 802.11, oh. A, B, C, etc. Now, I do remember 802.something from the really early days of my networking. I haven't done networking for a while, so, right? yes. so I'm a bit lost now. But we were using those terms. Talk to me about those terms. Talk to me about the... the, 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 the various naming conventions around Wi-Fi so we can start to understand which one should I go buy. Do I want to buy 802.11a or is 802.11b slash g better? Okay, so let's let's have a look here. Um, The 802 standards are a a way to describe what we call a layer 2 transmission. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is, I'm trying to keep this very broad. Um, And there are various standards and they change over time. So when we had Wi-Fi first coming out, we had 802.11b. Yep. That said, here is a 2.4 gigahertz signal. It can go a little bit, of, little bit of speed up to about 11. It was 11 megs, per wasn't it? Yeah, yep. yeah, 11, meg- 11 megabits per second. Uh, and look, it, it worked. It, mm. it worked, and you'd be competing against your microwave and anything else in the room. All those old um, wireless telephones, the deck telephones, they operate on that frequency. Yep. Um, if you're in an apartment block, you've got issues um, aside from the concrete walls of things like who else has got a microwave or who else has got a Wi-Fi or who else has got... Yeah, so th- there's lots of issues. Uh, but that's your initial adder to 11B. Uh, and that's from 1999, strangely enough. Wow. Yes. The space 1999. Yes. I love that, there, that, that series. Didn't notice Wi-Fi there, but anyway. <laughs> Well, no, um, they did because they all had portable oh, tablets course, they carried tablets. around that would have to communicate somehow. The tricorder? No, that's Star Trek. Ah, Let, let's, okay. not, let's not do this. Okay. <laughs> okay. But the, the good thing about this is that being in that 2.4 gigahertz range, you could actually turn the power right up and send your signal a fair way, and it would work. But, of course, the further away you got, the lower the speed in the end. Yep. Cool. Okay. Got it. Next part came 802.11a. After, so A came after B at the same time a, as B and was faster. Well, right? sort kind of, of same yeah, time, sort of around it? the same time. But um, don't try to look at the alphabet as being resembling any time frame here. It sort of does, but it doesn't. Okay, uh, got it. But A said, I'm going to do the same thing, but I know that the 2.4 gigahertz range is very flooded with all these other devices. Let's go and use the 5 gigahertz range. And we could get up to 54 megs all of a sudden. All of a sudden, you've got 54 megs. Uh, it's actually pretty clean because in most environments at that time, no one used the 5 gig range. Um, uh, I remember my Windows XP Media Center wanted to have 802.11a to talk to my Xbox. And do you know why that was? Because um, 11 megs wasn't enough to run video y stuff. Uh, possibly. There was another one that said, I know there's so much interference and so much competition Uh, for the 2.4 gig range that at least if I jump into here, I've got a fairly good chance of getting a really clean, crisp feed that I'm going to, that's going to make me look good as a product. Yep. Okay. Um, And and, um, look, something we should have mentioned, this this 2.4 gig range and this 5 gig range, these are what we call public frequencies. They're, They're unlicensed, which means they're available to use from anybody. Okay, so we could go into spectrum licensing to a large degree. We might not go into that today. But governments around the world license various bits of the spectrum from the early days of radio and charge money for them. And there's certain areas, like, for example, the citizens band section, the cordless phone, 2.4G, and Wi-Fi, which are not licensed, so you can just use them. They're not licensed. They're free for use from anyone. Um, I used to have a... um, uh, 
when cameras first came out in small form factor, like the little spy camera sort of thing. So there was one that was about a centimetre cubed. And I thought, oh, this is really cool. And it was like 10 bucks. And I thought, oh, I'm going to get one of these and try it out. It, the way it achieved its goal was if you turned it on, all of a sudden anything around it in the 2.4 gig spectrum just died. It used all the capacity it used, <laughs> and it sent it out at such a high power level. I don't know how these devices got certified, but um, uh, perhaps they didn't get certified, well, and that I, was your I, fundamental I issue. I think that's the reality of it. Yeah, but it was actually good as a Wi-Fi jammer, even if it did send <laughs> video pictures. So, cool. anyway, moving so right along. Let's move forward. We'll go forward four years to two thousand three, and yes. that's when the ubiquitous eight hundred two point eleven G came out. Eight hundred two eleven G. Yes. Now I'm going to say one thing here: Wi-Fi, uh, because of all these naming standards, you know. Uh, dot a dot b dot g and so forth um in the early days when it was just technologists and engineers working on this stuff that's fine but now we're in sort of a wi-fi area where people don't really relate to these technical terms as much Mm -hmm. so uh recently we've had marketing standards around or the marketing people come out around the standards they've done some branding around the standards yes they've actually been branded now you won't see wi-fi 1 wi-fi 2 or wi-fi 3 around but 802.11b was wi-fi 1 802.11a was wi-fi 2 cool 802.11g that we're talking about is wi-fi 3 and yes um you can get up to 54 megabits per second yep it actually uh, is still in the 2.4 gigahertz range and it worked out how to use that more efficiently and how to actually put more data into the streams so then in 2009, because yes. that wasn't enough... That's right. 600 megs Wi-Fi came out. 600 megabits per second, just what everyone needs on their laptop. Routers with hundreds of aerials, because you can now have more than one. <laughs> that's the right. more aerials, the better. I've been to Officeworks, right? <laughs> um, and that was 802.11n. That was when N came out, yes. Wi-Fi 4. Wi-Fi 4. And yep. you even had some of these, like, and fast N and N variants, where they just turned the power up and did a few <laughs> other little things. And uh, not all of those were standards. Some of them were vendor-specific. Oh, if we do this outside the standard, we'll boost it. So let's use that as our marketing differentiation. But it doesn't work with anything else. Sure. But anyway, so that was 600 meg, yes. Uh, added to 11N. That's Wi-Fi 4. Wi-Fi 4. And that's, that is really where the marketing... Wi-Fi's start. They'll okay, start at a so Wi-Fi we start four. at four. Okay, so then four wasn't good enough because 600 megs, you know, yeah. an eighth of a CD a second isn't really doing it for us. That's right. So we needed to get faster. So that was Wi-Fi 5, 802.11ac. Yes. Started in 2014 with, you know, you know okay. wave one or wave two. Was, okay, when so did the, that happen? So I, I, look, AC came out um, as the next generation passed in of all the Wi-Fi. And there were so many changes that they were working on, like, it's a bit like when you're writing a bit of software. At what point do we actually release this? Yep. And they said, okay, look, let's put a stake in the ground here. This is wave one. Actually, it was just called 802.11ac initially. Yes. And then it very quickly became, oh, we're going to call this wave one because we've still got this backlog of all these changes we still want to get in there. And therefore, a couple of years later, wave two came out uh, that had a lot of other features in it as well. Um, But essentially, 802.11ac was the first point where you could get about 450 meg on um, the 2.4 gigahertz spectrum and about 1.3 gigabits per second just what everybody needs so just be careful when we talk about bits per second we're not talking about bytes per second no we're talking about so if you're thinking if i'm downloading a file that's a 100 megabytes or let's say one gigabyte you think it would take less than a second but it won't it will take eight times that because there's eight bits in a byte so 
we just need to be across that metric while there we're we explaining go. things. Cool. Um, so 1.3 gigabits a second, yes. right? On on the um, five gigahertz. gigahertz. Now, what so what's happening here is previously we'd have um, a person would connect to an access point, and let's just think about one connection, and the connection can go so fast, and therefore hold so much data. Yep. And the closer you are, the better that connection is. The further away you are, the speed will slow down to compensate. Because there's errors being introduced yeah. because you're going through a physical medium. Yep. The, so with, with AC, actually, to be fair, with some of the older technologies as well, this is where we started to get into how can we make that connection better? Yep. How can we do things like either put more data on there or how can we do multiple connections at once in order to give us more capacity. Yep. And this is where we start getting into some wonderful terms around things like uh, multi-in, multiple input streams, multiple output streams. Yep. And you also get single user and multi-user. So you start to get these terms about S-U-M-I-M-O and M-U-M-I-M-O. You go, that sounds really great, but I've got no idea what it means. Yeah, I've got so no idea what that means. Cause I, was, I was still happy with my Wi-Fi 1. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. So before we get to the, the weird terms and we start to talk about orthogonal frequency division access. Yes. Luckily I read on the list. I've got no idea what that is. Just what everyone needs to know. <laughs> Wi-Fi 6 came out in 2018. That's 10 Wi-Fi gig, 6. gigs a second. Uh, it's a maximum of 10 gigs in theory, but yes. Just, just in case your uh, email transmission was not fast enough at 1.4 gig. Yeah. Okay. okay. So there's some underlying issues here. Um, let, let, let's... Look at there's, that, there's actually a theoretical maximum of about 14 gigabits per second. And that's all you can put through the frequency, right? You, you yeah. can't put anymore. There's only so much bandwidth. But what yep. happens is uh, you start to look at, uh, and this is where um, SUMIMO and MUMIMO start to come in. Uh, yep. Single user, multiple input streams, multiple output streams. My previous connection to an access point, here it is. There, it's like, think of it as a straw connecting you to your access point. Yep single user multi-input, multi-output uh, multi says, let me put two straws from this one person to the access point, and then let me put four straws, and all of a sudden, but, but you're the, multiplying... But the access points can only have so many straws, right? That's right, and this is why you start to get multiple antenna right. on your... But they still can only have so many straws. They so, can. So you can't just wander into an area, let's say a busy office area, or a stadium, or a Ooh. bar, and put in one access point and go, she'll be right, mate. Uh, people have tried, and they've generated an interesting result of... Uh-uh. Yeah. Yes. Uh, well, you'd know that if you ever try free pub Wi-Fi. You know yes. exactly how that works. It, it, it's good when there's no one here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, look, and so what, <laughs> we went from single-user, multi-in, multi-out, to multiple-user, multi-in, multi-out, as in multiple end-users being able to do this multiple channels, uh, streams at the same time. Yep. Uh, and this is where AX comes from. Uh, 802.11ax starts to allow multiple people running multiple channels or streams at the same time to yep. send faster amounts of data over shorter distances. So this is where you can get up to, in theory, three and a half gigabits per second of capacity times four channels at once. Wow. Giving you 14 gigabits per second. So imagine you've got email coming in at 14 gigabits per second now instead of Sometimes it feels like I get emails at 14 gigabits a second, Scott. <laughs> it does. But there's an underlying issue here, and it's actually quite a simple issue, and this is why you'll find stuff doesn't work in the stadiums and stuff doesn't work at home when you try this. 
What? Because you, I'm starting to hit other bottlenecks, right? So, you are. so it's all very well and good having Wi-Fi a bottleneck, but what am I connecting that access point it, to? Well, this is it. So th- think about a road outside your house, and every morning you drive out. What well, used to be every morning, <laughs> you, yeah, you drive out and you get in this queue of traffic because the road's only two lanes long. Yep. And eventually you hit a freeway. It's got eight lines, and you sort of say, "Oh, that's great! Look, and everything flows really quickly." Think about that two-lane road. Okay, and someone comes along and says, oh, we need to make this bigger. We've now got four lanes here or eight lanes here. So I've turned it into gigabit Ethernet, but you're still telling me more's coming out of my access point than I've fed into it. So so I'm still limited down to a gig, right? It just moves the problem somewhere else. So... And then when, when, when do I get the point where my device actually can't cope with that kind of data stream, right? It, it, well, there is right, I've got a 3 gigahertz processor. Let's yes. say I've got a top-of-the-line 3 gigahertz processor. It can only do 3 um, billion instructions per second. It can't, law. it can't process more data than it's coming from my Wi-Fi access so that, point now. This is actually an interesting discussion in itself, but it used to be that when we had uh, gigabit network interfaces coming out for servers yep, uh, and also workstations, workstations, the chipsets in them were only at the point of reaching about 300 megabits per second. Mm. Now, you would have to have a gig interface because it's more than 100 meg, but you couldn't actually get more than about 300 meg until over time the next generation of chipsets came out and the next generation of servers came out. Servers got up to about 800. I, I remember mm. sitting down with people and they say, I've just put a one gig Ethernet card and it's not going any faster. I went, well, your bus speeds is yes. 300 megs, right? That, that's right. You, you can't put a football down a garden hose. It ain't going to work. And you previously had four one gig links or four 100 meg links or whatever yep. it was. Yeah, that, that, that's right. Um, this is where... People plug their access point in via an Ethernet cable into their switch. Yeah. That's a one gig link. Yeah, but what's the speed of the backplane of the switch, you know? And, <laughs> and what about the core no, router? The, 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 switch, the switch is not an issue. Actually, switches these days, modern switches, will actually operate at line rate capacity. Okay. E- even like the $200 odd switch you can get from so, the corner so, store. So don't worry about switches. Don't worry about your switches. Bottlenecks everywhere in this There are There are bottlenecks. But this and is, then you go out to the NBN and it all goes... It's, it's exactly the same issue. It's not always about individual components. It's about all the sign them all together and making sure they all work. Yep. Um, we talk about looking at Wi-Fi in a stadium. So think about it. There's one access point. All of a sudden, you've got you know, 500 people trying to connect to it, yep. and you've got one cable at one gigabit per second trying to do all the backhaul. Meanwhile, everyone's trying to download all this stuff at a few meg per second. You, you just haven't got that much capacity. Yes. Now, this is why access points, the higher-end ones, have now got two network ports on them. To put two cables in for two gig, and the even higher end ones at the enterprise and stadium level actually have ports that can run at um, HP does a thing called a smart rate, two point five gigabits per second, and now five gigabits per second. Wow! And now there's access points coming out with ten gigabit per second interfaces. Yep. But you've got to have the cabling or the fiber and the infrastructure, yes. and you've got to have the switching, and you've got to it, have the it's end to end, and you need an internet connection oh. slightly larger than. So you think if we put all these access points in a stadium, we actually let's say we give every single person that goes into one of those big stadiums of 80,000-odd people or whatever it is their own access point to connect to, and they've got 1.4 gigabits per second back there, but the stadium has a single 100-meg NBN. Yeah, it's all over. Point. It's all over. Uh, yes. but, but then it gets worse because the stadium's only used when there's games. That's so right. So you have all this amazing capacity for two hours a week. Yes. Which is, yeah, you start to well, get crazy. The Wi-Fi things. is like professional services. You can't do it and put it on the shelf. Yeah. You can't transmit it the day later and then find out, what is it? It's a voice call. Well, I needed it the day before when I was trying to talk to someone, not the next day. Good point. Um, 
All right. Okay. So that's 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 Backhall, that's you know, stadiums, we talked about that. There's some other flavours. We'll just yes. skirt on these. They're just around the periphery. Okay. So 802.11R. Ah, so this, the 802.11 standards, there's a whole list of them, not right. just the ones around the specific Wi-Fi 1 to 6, but there's all these different variations that deal with a lot of things. Um, there's an R that deals with fast roaming. Fast roaming is when I'm connected to access point A in a business, for example, and I'm on a, a phone connecting or I'm on a laptop and I go for a walk and I start to get out of range of that access point such that because I'm further away my speed drops below a certain point or I lose connectivity with it but then if this is designed properly there's a second access point where you're heading that's going to pick up your and signal. And it picks you up and you roam quickly to the second access point. There's a point. difference between normal roaming which can take a few seconds to cut over. Which you uh, don't want to do in a voice no, call. And if you've got an active voice call on, no, you want fast roaming which yep. actually means that access point A is continually telling access point B that I know about these people, they're here and if you start to pick up a stronger signal than I do, just go for it. Don't drop the call. Right. So, um, interestingly enough, and I'm not going to talk about the management interfaces, there's loads, so we'll yeah. move past that. Okay. Bluetooth is also a kind of form of Wi-Fi. Yes, well, it's a, it's a 2.4 gigahertz signal. It's, it's a low-powered one. Um, and it does one to three megs a second. Yes. Megabits per second. And even second. The, the new BLE, Bluetooth Low Energy ones. Yep. Um, they are um, they're very short range, just a, you know, a few megabits per second at, at most. They're really designed for things like, um, um, in hospitals, put asset tracking tags on beds, on machinery, and knowing that it goes blip, and you, you know that that bit of machinery you're after happens to be on level four in this room. Cool. So, Scott, it looks yes. like we've covered most of Wi-Fi. Yes. We've covered what it is, how it works, back all considerations. Yes. Wi-Fi security. Oh, look, security is a whole area in itself. There are so many issues around Wi-Fi security. And when we actually talk a bit about them, you realise, oh, well, that actually could be happening to me. And you, it's just not a popular topic, but it's a very important topic, such that we're going to cover an entire podcast on Wi-Fi security issues. Excellent. I look forward to that. Let's do that. So do I. I'll see if I can hack into your Wi-Fi in the meantime. <laughs> Sounds good. So, if you want to hear more about Wi-Fi and security, please click on the link below, probably over there by Scott, um, and subscribe to our podcast. Also, join us on Facebook, listen to us on Spotify, on iTunes, or wherever you get decent podcasts. I hope you've enjoyed the session. I have to say thank you to Scott. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Nick, and thank you, everyone. Happy Wi-Fiing, and I hope you have a super day. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.